And the next thing he says, don't come to work. And he said, come here to create excellence relative to what you're doing. Wow. Do not come to work. This totally went over my head because I knew I had to wash dishes, clean floors, etc., etc. at the time. I started to work and I started to slowly learn what excellence meant. Excellence is not an accident. It is the result of high intent and hard work. How do you create excellence and become the best in the world? We have Horst Schulze, the legendary co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company here with us today to tell us how to do it. Let's get into it. Do you want to decommoditize your products and services? Do you want to become a destination brand, increase your revenue, and have more control over your pricing? You're in the right place. Each week, We'll talk about how to create great customer experiences and how to orient your company to enable them. For your hosts, Devin and David, and this is the Experience Leader Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Today has a special meaning to the term, ladies and gentlemen, because we get to welcome one of the legends of customer experience, the world-renowned legendary hotelier, Horst Schulze. If you've heard anything about Horst Schulze, you've probably heard the mantra that he created that became a cultural cornerstone at the Ritz-Carlton that says, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Horst has a storied career that started out with him working in the hotel industry, eventually moving into becoming the co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, which became the number one hotel company in the world. And he has done it again now as the founder of Capella Hotel Group by making Capella Hotel Group the number one hotel company in the world. Horst is also an author, and he penned the book that we'll spend time talking about today, Excellence Wins. Uh, this book is absolutely incredible. There were points in it that brought me to tears. You can and should pick that book up wherever books are sold. And I'll be here to tell you about more ways that you can connect with Horst towards uh, the end of this episode. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Um, this is one of the most important episodes that I've ever recorded because Horst doesn't just talk about uh creating excellence in the hotel industry. He talks about how to create excellence in every aspect of your life. So grab a pen, grab your notebook, be ready to watch this episode multiple times to be spurred on to excellence. Here's Horst Schulze. All right. Uh, Horst, thank you so much for being on the show. I am a, a huge fan. Uh, uh, people have, have heard me talk about the Ritz-Carlton uh, Hotel Company and uh, the legend, the, the legend uh, behind it and the principles, and it is an absolute honor to be talking to the, to the man that, that made it all happen. Uh, uh, thank you so much for being on. Well, you're very kind, Devin. It's my honor to be with you. Um, I... I uh, I think that it's it's incredibly powerful your story, uh, you know where you came from, the uh, the dream that you had, 
uh, about being a hotelier. I would love for you to tell uh, the story of that. You tell it in, in your book, um, but for anybody who hasn't read, I think it's so important for them to, to know your background and, and how you stuck to your guns about, about that. Yeah, let me maybe even add something on it, the, the, the follow-up that I hadn't didn't express in the book so much, because you may have young people, and I'm so I'm so concerned about the value thinking about young people today. I'm concerned not for me, for them. Uh, uh, consequently, I have kind of I mean, so. Let me my, my background. Okay, I grew up in a small village in Germany. After the war, mind you, I was born in '39, so war after war. And uh, when I was 11 already, I asked my parents that I would like to work in a hotel business. And, and, and I don't know why. Nobody knows why. Because there was no hotel in the village. There was nothing there. And it was against any thinking at the time. You went into jobs. If, you would, if I would have said butcher or, or roofer or, or engineer, now that would have been something, or architect and so on. That would have been applauded. But hotel business, uh, service business, that's not, not good. And by the way, I mean, I have to tell you, and maybe we have to break that down sometimes. I see that a lot, and in, in, in when we go to colleges, particularly the, the black students don't want to work in the service business. It, it's kind of fascinating to me, and I don't understand why. But anyway, I... Um, my parents were against it. They were, in fact, embarrassed a little bit, but I kept on insisting. They, they inquired with a, with a government agency what to do about the Korean hotel business. They said, you should find the best hotel possible for him to start. And sure enough, they, found, they got a job, which was unusual to get at the time, was difficult, in the best hotel in the region which unfortunately happens to be 100 kilometers away, and, and Devon at that time, that was very far. We had to take the train, ch change a few times, and so on. So at 14, I left home and stayed in a, in a dorm room in the hotel and worked in a hotel. Now, before I, my parents took me there, they made it very clear, this is a very fine hotel, only for very fine ladies and gentlemen. We could never go there now behave yourself accordingly in all the stuff that parents would tell you. The first day there, the general manager talked to me and my mother. My father was working. My mother talked me there. And he literally said, look, our guests are very important, ladies and gentlemen. You are only here to, help, to learn how to serve those very important, ladies and gentlemen. All of you in service are here to take care of them and blah, blah, blah. And he, he, he said, you're not important, but they are. He, he literally said that. Anyway, the next, thing, next person I meet was the, the maitre d', the head waiter of the restaurants and, hot, and, and food and beverage operation of the hotel. And he was an unusual gentleman who impacted my life totally. He looked at me when the first day and said, now tomorrow... You start, you show up here at 7 a.m. If I meant one minute after 7, I would tell you so. With, 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 with one sentence, he established discipline and rules and regulation and expectation. Wow. And, and of course, 
I, I was very young. It all went over my head at the moment. Uh, and the next thing it says, and don't come to work. And he said, come here to create excellence relative to what you're doing. Wow. Do not come to work. And, and, and now, David, this totally went over my head. Uh, no excellence, because I knew I had to wash dishes, clean floors, etc., etc. at the time. And, and uh, well, I started to work, and I started to slowly learn what excellence meant, because excellence to this, and I try to teach that now to my family, to anybody I can, excellence is not an accident. It is the result of high intent and hard work. And he made that clear. Your intent is not to work. Your intent is to create something excellent. Your intent is not just to bring food to the guest. Your intent is to make them feel well. It's that there should be always, as a human being, we are not just fulfilling function. Our function should be a higher intent. Things fulfill functions. The chairs on which you're sitting fulfilling a function. If you are a human being, you should have a higher intent in all your function. And, and, and that was so clear with this, to see in this gentleman who did everything for a higher intent. And, you know, and he said, don't sentence yourself to be nothing but a chair. Accomplish being a human being that thinks and have higher intent. So working there for the next, and, and in fact, I went to hotel school, and uh, all the kids once a week, all the kids from the school come there. After about two years, the teacher asked us to write an essay, what we now think about uh, our work. And another moment happened there, which again impacted my life there. Uh, I went back to work that night and thought, and went through my mind what I'm going to write about, because I planned starting to, that night to write on my essay. And I turned around and saw the Maitre just entered the room, and he approached a table. Now, mind you, we are the servants, and they are very important, ladies and gentlemen. We were told that. And he approached a table, and the guests on that table were proud that he came to them. Now, wait a minute, that's a reversal. And I realized, yes, everybody is. Wow. And when I went, and I went up later and started working on my essay, I contemplated that. It didn't go out of my mind. And I wrote about that matter D. Because I realized for the first time, well, very simple. Why, why did people proud? Very simple, because he defined himself as a fine professional. He defined himself. And I realized for the first time, I define myself. And, and, and if you think about society today, we blame everybody to, to define us, the government, the, our, every, everybody. It's not true. We define ourselves. And I saw that as a 16 years old, and I said, oh my gosh, what a beautiful thing. Even if I'm a dishwasher, I still can define myself as a person of excellence. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I got for the first time to coming to work to create excellence. I can define myself. And it, it was such an overwhelming thing. Well, after three and a half years, I left that hotel 
before I left, he said, look me in the eyes and, and promise me never to go to work. To work. Never, always go there to create excellence. I promised him. I took off to work in the finest hotels in Europe, truly the finest hotels in Europe. And then I came to the US and I worked in the Hilton in San Francisco in the Tenderloin District. Now, what I tell you now, I hope that if young people are listening, that they really hear what I tell them here, because there was another huge experience for me. My intent in that hotel was to get a promotion to room service supervisor. I was a room service waiter. My whole life plan was around that promotion. I want to be promoted, go back to Europe, have learned the language better. I know I'm still working on that, okay? Have learned the language better, have learned another culture, learned new systems, learned a lot, and I had a promotion, and that's how I will build my career in Europe. I could see that would happen because there were four supervisors in room service and a manager, and I had seen, I was there short, only two months, one of them got promoted to restaurant manager. And I said, ah, next time one of them gets promoted, I get that job because I am the best waiter here. And the manager was German. So I knew that was my job. And I, 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 everything was in my plan. My plan is I do that and I stay eight more months or maybe even a year, and then I go back to Rube, and then now I know I'm going to do my career, and I can say I was promoted, and all the things went through my mind. And sure enough, a few months later, one of the supervisors got promoted. And the manager called everybody together, the German manager, and said, you know that Bill got promoted, let's congratulate him. And so we are going to promote the next supervisor, and the next super supervisor is Fred. And I knew I wasn't Fred. I knew I wasn't Fred, let me tell you. That was a blow to my ego. To my, and what did I think? Young people, what did I think? What you would think? Stupid management. Management is wrong. Management is against me. They are wrong. And I, that's what I thought. It took me several months to admit the other guy deserved it more. I had went to work. I came, I, I was very young, I, I partied in the evening, I come in and I was very tired. You could see from 100 yards that I was tired. I said, went in and said, moon, or said nothing. And, and, and when, the, when the manager asked to do some side work, I said, why me? The other guy came a little bit early. I came a little late, a couple of minutes. What's the big deal a couple of minutes late? Well, the other guy came, came a couple of minutes early. The other guy said, friendly, good morning, everybody. Nice to see you all today. And when the manager asked a question to do some side work, he said, I'm happy to. And I said, why me? When I came to the realization, I went to my furnished little dirty room in, in the Tenderloin district where, where I lived and I talked to the maitre d'. No, he had died in the meantime. He didn't show up, but I talked with him. And I apologized and said, I went to work to work. I promised you to go to work for excellence, but I went to work. Nothing but work. Nothing, no different than a chair, than a thing that fulfills a function. That's all I did. I was not even human. I was a chair. A chair works. I'm a human being, and I didn't do it. 
And I promised him it would never, ever happen again. And it never happened again. I promise you, it never happened again. I can tell you, I got my promotion after I was promoted, not long after I was promoted to catering manager, not, after, not long after I was promoted to assistant food and beverage director, a year later to food and beverage director. Then I joined Hyatt. I'll give you an idea. I joined Hyatt. And I was food and beverage director of the Hydrogen Chicago. One and a half later, I became rooms manager. A year later, I became general manager. Two years later, I became general manager over a much larger major Regency hotel. Two years later, I became regional vice president over 10 hotels. Three years later, I became vice president over 65 hotels in the U.S. All because, not because I had the education. Because, of course, I went and I kept on learning. Uh, of course, I took courses in Cornell in between working in my, um, during my vacation. All because I seeked excellence rather than functioning. And I, I, I wish that the young people would hear that, like, oh, don't go to work. Define yourself of somebody excellent. Don't wait for the world to define you for crying out loud. Don't look at all oh, society and the government, all this BS stuff that I hear that I feel so sorry for you running around. You, you don't define yourself by marching in the street and throwing firebombs. I promise you. Yeah, yeah, you define yourself as worthless. Define yourself as excellent. And you can, it's impossible to lose that way. Impossible. I 100% agree. 100% agree. I, I think that, uh, I mean, there's so much, there's so much there. Uh, I, I love, I love the, the recounting and, and the, what you said about what the maitre d' said to you, um, mm. that, that you, you are not the same as a chair. Don't just function. I, I love that because there's something that's being said about uh, the nature uh, of, of, of why you were created. You were, you were not created to just function. You were created right. to create excellence. And that's I, right. I love that. I love that. Make up, make, that's, that's a decision, you know. All, no matter where we are, we blame, again, we blame everybody around us for everything. Your destiny is your decisions. That's it. It's your decision. That is your destiny. It, your destiny is not a coincidence. It's the decisions that you made. And so, and if the decisions are for excellence, well, then you will end up excellently. That's it. I, I, uh, David, I spoke to a group of new employees years ago, and I told them about where do you, who do you want to be? And they decided in their department, there was a new hotel, and they decided to say, we want to be respected as the best department. So I turned around and wrote that on the flip chart, the best in somebody, and I said, from now on, that's the reason to come to work, to be the best. And somebody behind me shouted, I come to work for money. I turned around and I said, you all tell me, who will make more money in a while? The one that creates the best or the one that just works for money? It's so stupid. Right. It's so narrow, so low. It's not. We are human beings. We have to have higher intents, and we will find higher rewards. 
And the, the, the very least that we, we find, we find fulfillment in ourselves, which is more important than anything. I, I, I agree. I think that um, you know, what, one, of the, one of the things that, that I talk about a lot uh, is something that I, I call the, the five forces of, of customer experience. And, and uh, I put them in order. And the very first force is purpose. Purpose has to be there for, for a person um, and as well as a company for people to come to work and be excited to contribute and to give their best. They have to have purpose. Have a higher purpose. Yeah, yeah that's it. And, and hopefully and, and sadly, some companies don't offer a corporate pu- a purpose that you can join, sadly. But that doesn't stop you from having your own. You know, and 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 uh, you know even you're so right. Even Aristotle, now mind you, three thousand years ago, said, "You you cannot be fulfilled in life unless you have purpose and belonging." So why wouldn't we set our own purpose and hopefully have an organization that sets purpose? I find, in fact, I I find that if an organization doesn't make it clear, here's our purpose as a company, join us, that is kind of immoral, in my opinion. That means the organization just hires you to fulfill a function and not be part of the organization. So with with Ritz Carlton and and, and, uh, uh, it was very clear, I want, we wanted join, people to join us to create the finest hotel company in the world. And we did, mind you. I joined, when, when, I, when I finally joined Ritz-Carlton here uh, in, in Atlanta, I joined, we didn't even have a hotel yet. We had no name, we had no hotel, and the first hotel was, with, with hotel which we had functionally, was what used to be the Ritz-Carlton Buckhead was our first hotel as a company. Eventually, we were in five continents, and each hotel, no matter where we were, was rated number one in their location. Now, mind you, here's another thing about that, though. I had, that meant, in Japan, with all Japanese, in China, with all Chinese, in Germany, with all Germans, in Philadelphia, with all Americans, in Jamaica, with all Jamaicans, by the way, they're all black, okay? So, so much for race, so much for that garbage. Right. In every, in every continent, we were in five continents, in Africa and everywhere, in the Middle East, in China and in, 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 in Japanese, it was all the same. It was all the same. I can witness, I had dealt with totally all in different locations. There were some that were bad, but most of us just create human beings that want to create something good together. And, and, and we're fulfilled to be part of creating something great together. That, that is amazing. And, and I've, you know, I, I have had the benefit of, of living outside of the U.S. Uh, my, my mother is from the Caribbean and we lived there for a while. And, and uh, so it, it causes me to have a different perspective on a lot of yeah. those things. We were all, we were all black. And and yeah. yeah, some some people some people are good, some people are bad, right? And, uh, and you may you may have read my my story in, on Jamaica. And, uh, I want and, you to and, tell that actually. I was gonna I was getting ready to ask you to tell the story about yeah, Jamaica you know, uh, to give yeah, it's, you. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I'm I'm not exaggerating what I tell you now. When we announced as a company would go to Jamaica, I had a number 
at least six, seven general managers call me and then others call me and say, you're going to Jamaica, you're in for a terrible situation. Those thieves, those lying thieves still, man, I mean, I, I slowly got, I, I'm not kidding you. They, they, they refer to everybody, everybody is, they are just, they don't trust them, they steal. They get, what a horrible people. I, I thought so. I, I was scared. I have to. Have, I was a little bit worried. So I, I'm getting to. We come now. We built the hotel. The hotel was finished. I went to open the hotel. I opened every one of the first fifty Ritz Carlton's. Okay, I went there, gave the orientation and helped the training. So I was there in Jamaica with those terrible employees. Okay, in the first day. I just introduced who we are as a company. And I made it very clear, we're in the service business. But I made it very clear, but you are not servants. Our employees are not servants. We are ladies and gentlemen. And our profession is service to ladies and gentlemen. And we act and behave ourselves as ladies and gentlemen, even though that some guests may not behave with that. But nevertheless, they paid to be treated like ladies and gentlemen. And we don't allow them to make us less than ladies and gentlemen. That was the first day discussion. And with this new employees and everybody listening intently. Next morning, I went for, for a run, which I usually did in the morning early. I left very early. It was dark still and went by the, by the golf course there, the White Witch, if anybody knows the area, and, and running there. And on the way back to the hotel, all of a sudden, I see some people walking there, they were dressed at their finest. I thought, wow, there must be a funeral going on, or wedding, no, not in the morning, or it must be a funeral. Then I see more and more. I wonder what is going on. And they walked toward the hotel. And as they get closer, they're walking into the employee's entrance in the hotel. And afterwards, when I talked to them, <clears throat> because I said, we are, and we act like ladies and gentlemen, they all dressed up the next day. And I got to love those people. In fact, <clears throat> the years after, we brought many of them to the US because we want to help them with their wonderful attitude. And we put them into our club lounges and so on because of that wonderful service, excellent elegance, attitude that they had. They, they served with elegance and class. It was just wonderful. Some of the most wonderful people I ever, ever worked with. But so much for stupid statements that we sometimes put in our mind. Uh, we, we, we all have, we all get some stuff in our mind uh, that uh, culturally, that, that is totally wrong. I, I can tell you, when I came first to the United States, let me tell you a silly story here. I think it said in the book, the first day I had to serve, when I worked, the first day working, I had to serve fish. So I, coming from the best places in, in the world, I asked, where are the fish knives and fish forks? I didn't have any, any. That was so terrible to me. I thought, all of you are barbarians serving fish without fish forks and fish forks. Because that's what I knew, I knew culturally. You don't do that. 
So I actually nearly went back to Europe because of that. That's how crazy ideas we have culturally in our minds. We, we can't help it, but we have to have an understanding about that. That's, that's what it is, and so on. understand a little bit. But you know, so, so the opinions was, gee, they steal because they heard that somebody stole one day. Well, they're stealing here too, okay? And, and, and the, the generalization then, and I found the total opposite, total opposite. That's how it is, you know, and, and, and I had such fabulous cultural experience around the world. I mean, uh, we had a hotel in San Lucia, we had a hotel there in Jamaica and so on. And of course, in, in, in Africa, in, in the Middle East, in, in Japan, what a great experience I have. I still am in contact there with so many people after 25 years, in fact, they just celebrated their 25 years anniversary, and I spoke to the employees and the and the and the the, the, the ownership of, and their reception that day. It, it is wonderful human beings. That's what I met. That's what I met. Now, where there's some some in between, yeah, there were some in between that were not so good. I can find them everywhere. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and and uh, I think that. The, the difference there, uh, clearly, I mean, there's, there's a conviction. There's a conviction that you have that you were able to transfer to them. When you came and gave purpose, people's light bulbs came on. Yeah. Devin, <clears throat> excuse me. In fact, if a manager would tell me, uh, well, I, I asked what this employee, he used to be here. Well, he's not here anymore. We let him go on. Bill, Bill, hypothetically, Bill, he was not good. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Bill was not good. Wait a minute. Then, then why did you hire him? You, 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 you are the one that has a right to hire him, not else. So maybe there is something wrong with your hiring process. Or maybe you didn't orient them right. You didn't invite him to be part of the company. Or maybe you didn't train him right. Or maybe you had the wrong work environment. So maybe it wasn't Bill, maybe it was you, my friend. Okay, don't point to Bill. The answers are supposed to be with you. So I don't let them say they're when I code. We are the leaders, we're supposed to be the leaders. So what process, if you have a business, don't tell me the employee, and don't tell me today, don't tell me we can't find any people. Look outside, there are plenty of people outside. The problem is they don't want to work for you. Create environment, create a reputation where people want to work for you, and they, you will have people. Sorry, somebody's upset now with me. Well, yeah, okay, that's it. That, you know, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. So many people talk about, um, how hard it is to hire, especially after after COVID. You know, my 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 parents um, own a business now. They've owned it for for a couple of years, and 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 it was difficult for them to get um, uh, people to come back. But people did start to come back, and uh, they own, they own a jazz club in 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 Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, it was it was amazing to me to hear them talk about. Uh, eventually to hear the stories about how they felt about my my father they they there was a story one time there was a there was a guest who was upset about something um, uh, and, and they were 
they were, um, you know, just it was they had they had requested something. Um, it it was done to the to the way that they requested it, but it didn't meet their standards. Uh, and so, you know, my 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 uh, my dad is in the back. He's actually helping in the kitchen, and uh, the the guest starts to get belligerent. Uh, about it and and nobody had treated them poorly uh, by the way uh, i know i know the guy i know him no i mean really no hypothetically <laughs> i had guests that were like that you know yes yes <laughs> and, and, and actually there there are a couple of stories uh, that that from your book i that, that i want to get into about stuff like that um it was interesting though that that the waitress who was serving the table eventually got tired of the the guest insulting uh, the owner, yeah. insulting my dad, and and he didn't even have to come out. She said, "Sir, you will not talk about my boss that way. He's a wonderful man, and he takes care of us. And if if that's not good, if 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 we can't yeah, serve are. you here, then then I have to ask you to leave." If if you have that relationship, sooner or later will, you will have enough workers, enough people to work. That's a business, you know. Don't don't if, if you. I see the companies, I see the work with men, yeah, work with some great ones, but I, most of them hire people, as I said, to fulfill a function, rather than offer them to be part of a, of a purpose. So, That's exactly so right. So offer them belonging. And uh, there was a, uh, then there was in fact, about 25 years, it's quite a few years ago. However, there was a, the, the largest worker survey ever made the individual, three million workers, U.S. and Europe. What is important to you in your job? Number one was sense of belonging. Ah, well, and, and if you would have asked before, everybody would have said it's money. Well, money was number six. Wow. So there you are, sense of belonging. But do we offer a sense of belonging? We don't offer it and then we complain that the, that the employee is not good or that I can't have employees. Wow. Can I even summarize that? Can I even give it words? That is just part one of two. Uh, there was so much here that I wanted to split it up into two episodes. Uh, and so I really hope that you come back for the next one. But let's try to see if we can do a decent job of talking about the most important things here. Here is what hit me. So, one, we don't have the right to sacrifice excellence for mediocrity. We don't have the right to let stuff slide. Uh, we have a responsibility to do the best that we can. And when you hold yourself to that standard, you can hold everybody else to that standard and they'll respect you for it. Number two, everybody's the same everywhere. Make sure that you keep that in mind when you're hiring, that you keep that in mind when you are making a, a judgment call about anybody. Everybody is the same. Everybody's equally capable of good and equally capable of evil. It doesn't belong to one special group one way or the other. So judge accordingly. Third, leaders ought to lead. If an employee is not working out, the first place that you need to look is yourself. You need to look at your leadership team. Did 
you fail the employee in some way? Were they set up for success? Did you give them what was necessary for them to carry the passion that they ought to carry for their work and for what you're doing for your customer in their everyday work? Did you transfer that to them? Or did they just come in and basically get put out there uh, to do their job, to be a cog in the wheel and never really have any sense of real purpose? And is that why you're getting the result that you're getting? Man, tough stuff to think about, tough pills to swallow. However, stuff that's going to make us better. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, there are many ways to be able to engage with Mr. Schulze. Be sure to head to horseschulze.com to be able to see a lot of the many different resources and ways that you can glean wisdom from this awesome gentleman. Be sure, if you haven't already, to pick up his book, Excellence Wins wherever books are sold. I have really enjoyed this book and I know you will too. And last but not least, be sure to check out archandtowerplus.com to be able to access online courses that Mr. Schulze has available on leadership and other topics. I'm sure that you'll get a lot out of those. I know that I will. Folks, if you liked what you heard, please make sure to give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts to make sure you know when the next one is coming out. And until next time, keep out serving your competition on your relentless pursuit to become an experienced leader. Catch you in the next one.